Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And especially to you up in the balcony. If you get tired of sitting down here, you can go up the stairs. There are chairs up there now, at long last. You know, um, I'm just realizing that uh, I forgot something up here, so um, sit tight. I'll be right back. Was there ever a time in that 30 seconds that you thought I wasn't coming back? <laughs> you might have thought, what is he doing? Is he back there smoking? Apparently, you know, I'm told that that used to happen. You could see the smoke come out from, you know, underneath the door back there. Um, yeah, maybe I was running home. Maybe I was drinking some coffee real quick. But I, you knew I was going to come back. I mean, we have a service to finish. We have a sermon to get through. And think about the consequences for me if I just, like, leave. You all here. Think about the, right? Like, what, what is that going to mean for me? What is that going to mean for my family, this pastor? We th- I mean, things are starting to feel pretty good. We like that guy, but then he started, I mean, he's got a screw loose. <laughs> He'll just leave. My responsibility to you all is to maintain order here. And to lead us with clarity. Not to just throw everything into chaos. Right? So when I say, I'll be right back, I'm coming back. I've got to come back. You all trust that I will. But you've got somebody who said, I'm coming back. But you have way more reasons to believe and trust than you have reasons to believe and trust me. Jesus, how much is at stake for him? Since he said, I am returning at the close of the age. And you've got to be ready for my return. Because it's coming like a thief in the night. You don't know the day or hour. In fact, I don't even know the day or the hour, he said. Jesus told us that after he left for his heavenly throne, he's going to return in power to judge the living and the dead, to raise everyone from the dead, in fact, for that final judgment, and then to bring all those whose names are written in his book of life into the new heaven and the new earth for an eternity of glorious eternities with perfect love, joy, peace, and prosperity. How about that? It's like we've never known. The point of the gospel text, which is my sermon text for this morning, is we've got to be ready because the consequences are grave if we are not ready. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough oil to keep their lamps burning in case, you know, in case the bridegroom was delayed. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. The picture here is of a Jewish wedding ceremony, and there's a lot about this that's kind of foreign to us. The picture, to paint it briefly, is that bridegroom and bride would be betrothed 
for sometimes up to a full year. They were legally married. Their marriage was not consummated. Kids, ask your parents what that means later. But they were committed to each other legally, right? So they weren't, they weren't living together as husband and wife, but it was like the deal was inked. The families had agreed. Everyone had come to terms. And at a scheduled date, the bridegroom would leave his house in a ceremonial celebration, uh, uh, celebratory is the word I'm looking for, procession to the bride's house to get her and the bridesmaids and lead them back to his house for like the week-long feast to begin, the wedding feast. So that's what's going on here. And these bridesmaids, some of them were thinking about all of the other possibilities that might happen. They might, you know, they brought along extra fuel and the foolish ones did not bring along extra fuel. Wisdom here is depicted as being ready, as taking care for unforeseen circumstances. Specifically in this case, for the bridegroom to take a while to show up, to be waiting and waiting but to still be ready when he does come. Foolishness, on the other hand, looks like just showing up and not being prepared in that way. Not giving that much thought for what might happen if the bridegroom is late, and late is exactly what he is here. The bridegroom was delayed, Jesus says, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. All of them, wise and foolish. It took a long time, right? They were tired. You know, the sun had set. They didn't have phones to scroll social media on to keep them awake. Well, that blue light. So they just went. They, they, they fell asleep. Then the cry comes. The bridegroom is coming. Go out and meet him. Right? And so they're, they're rubbing the, the dream crumbs from their eyes. Right? As Miss Leanne is fond of saying. The sleep dust. And they get their lamps ready. And one, one thing about these lamps is that you can sort of get them to light if there's not enough fuel. But then they'll kind of, eh, they'll just burn what's there in the wick and then go out. So these foolish bridesmaids, or sometimes you hear, I mean, in, in our hymn that we sang based on this, the word is virgin. But we, we tend to hear virgin and think like Virgin Mary, as in like the biblical phrase, like she had not known her husband Joseph, right? That's what we, that's what we hear when we think virgin. So the NLT that we use in our bulletin here, that, that translation of the Bible uses the term bridesmaids to kind of get more at the bridal party aspect of this. That's really what this, this group of young women were. They wake up, the foolish ones, and they don't have enough fuel. And so, ah, they've got a, uh, hey, you share with us. You brought along extra. Can we just have like a little bit out of each one of yours? We can, we can maybe stretch this out. And, the, and, and the, the five who were prepared said, there's not enough for all of us. Sorry. Quick, run into town and buy some. Come back up. And they do that. They leave. Meanwhile, the bridegroom comes. Those who are ready, they go with him into the wedding feast, and the door is locked. The foolish bridesmaids, their light had gone out. And they could not rekindle it. And this last detail, this detail about... They wanted to share, but there wasn't enough for them all to share. That's really important. Because this is a parable, right? Not a straight teaching from Jesus, like the Sermon on the Mount or something like that. So the oil represents something. 
that all ten of these bridesmaids started out with. And that is faith in Jesus. And faith that he would return. A readiness for him to return. All ten bridesmaids were ready for a while. But the bridegroom was delayed. The lamps burnt out. They fell asleep. The cry comes and five of them whose faith that Jesus would in fact return had waned and flickered out. They said, you've got extra, let us have some, but sharing is not possible there. The parable says that it's, they couldn't share because they wouldn't have enough to share for everyone, but the truth that this parable points to is this. Each one of us must be personally ready for Jesus to return. You cannot have enough oil in your lamp to give to your spouse or to your children, to your parents, your cousins, your friends, anybody else in your life. They've got to have their own lamp ready to go. Your faith cannot save your loved ones. They have to have their own faith in Jesus. You can only claim the redeeming work of Jesus Christ for yourself. You can't get a family package. Each of us has to keep our lamp fueled and ready for the midnight cry. Where are you, ye virgins wise? The bridegroom comes awake. Your lamps with gladness take. Alleluia. With bridal care yourselves prepare. Fellas, let's be real, okay? When you've been a groomsman in a wedding, like, okay, you, you put on the rental tux and like you hang out for a while. The bridesmaids, meanwhile, I mean, it's like an all-day thing. They got it scheduled. We're doing nails. We're doing makeup. We're doing hair. We got, it's like a whole thing. With bridal care, yourselves prepare. Fellas, we can't really relate to this as well as the women can. But the concept is, be serious about this. Be ready for Jesus to return. To meet the bridegroom who is near. So, when, so then what happens when these foolish ones do try to enter into the wedding feast on their own without Jesus. They come back. They've got oil. Hey, we're ready, to do, we're ready to do the thing. But the time for them to perform that function and go into the feast with Jesus is past. They stood outside calling, Lord, Lord. They're calling him Lord. But he called back, I don't know you. You think you know me, but you don't. The implication is, if you had known me, you would have been ready for me. And now it's too late. This is the warning. Some who think that they are ready for Jesus' return are going to find out when he does, in fact, return, that they are unprepared. And this is because they have either abandoned the faith without realizing it, or they never really claimed the promises of God with faith in the first place. This isn't a warning for people who aren't in the church. Right? This, is all, this all starts out as the same group who are ready for Jesus. But some of them, when Jesus returns, it turns out we're not ready and are shut out. What this means is that this can happen right in the pew where you're sitting. 
Showing up here is not a guarantee. Sitting here and enduring my preaching, as I'm told that it somewhat sometimes is like, is just letting the sound hit your words doesn't mean you're ready for Jesus to come back. The sound hit your sound hit your ears. Remember, the foolish bridesmaids discovered that they weren't ready for the return of the bridegroom while they were in the company of the wise ones. They were all together. And yet some among the midst, it turns out, were not prepared and were not allowed into the wedding feast because the only way to get into the wedding feast is to enter in with Jesus. That's the only way you get in. I'm going to read a lot of scripture at you. And if you feel like, oh, what? That, you grab that little golf pencil out of the pew in front of you if there is one. I think there are, there are some up this, upstairs. <coughs> Write some of this stuff down or go back and listen to the podcast, watch the video this week, okay? The only way to get into the wedding feast is to enter with Jesus. Romans 6, verse 4. We died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Baptism joins us to Jesus. Colossians 2, verse 12. For you were buried with Christ while you were, when you were baptized. And with him, you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. Revelation 19, 6, 7, and 8. I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd or the roar of a mighty ocean waves or the crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and let us give honor to him for the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb. And his bride has prepared herself. That's the church. You and me. We're the bride. She has been given, she has been given the finest pure white linen to wear. Revelation 7 that we read last week, verse 14. This elder said to me, these are the ones, these, this, this multitude in white robes. Remember, the church has been given the finest pure white linen to wear. Earlier in Revelation, John sees this uncountable multitude. They're all wearing white. They're waving palm branches. They're singing Hosanna. Who are they? Well, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They're every, every believer who has died believing in Jesus. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. The only way to get into the wedding feast is to enter with Jesus. And you enter with Jesus by washing your robe in the blood of the Lamb, by receiving the pure white linen to wear from him. That perfect righteousness that he offers you in exchange for all of your rotten sins and your failures and your shame. He took all of that to the cross in order that you might be dressed and ready for the feast that is coming. Your baptism unites you to him. And in case you're thinking, my baptism was a long time ago. I don't really, I mean, like. For some of you, it was a long time ago. For some of you, not that long ago. But baptism, like, I, that was like a one-time thing. I don't know, how do, we, how do I make use of that? What comfort is that? I've got two things to say to that. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about that in a few weeks. Because after Christmas, we get this special Sunday at the baptism of our Lord. We celebrate Jesus' baptism and what that means for us. 
It's one of my favorite Sundays in the year because baptism is a big deal. Okay. So that's the first thing. Just hang on a few weeks or catch that podcast. Right. But also Jesus gives us another sacrament that unites us to him. We heard about baptism. When we were baptized with Christ, we were buried with him and we were raised with him to new life. Well, Jesus says in John 6, my flesh is true food. My blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh, my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me. And I am him. You are joined to Christ in the sacrament of the altar. Just like you are joined to him in the sacrament of holy baptism. Just like you are joined to him when the good news hits your ears and by the Holy Spirit's power it's pressed into your heart. And you are called, enlightened, sanctified, and kept in the one true faith. What it means to be ready when Jesus comes is that you still have faith that he really is coming back. And that faith is not a work that you do, right? I don't want you to hear me say, you got to be ready. Be ready for Jesus to come back and feel like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got I to gotta do a bunch of stuff, right? No, this is all of grace. Jesus does all the work. Faith that we have in Jesus, it's the promises and the gifts of God that you receive in all these various ways, at one time in your life here, when you remember your baptism, when we trace the sign of the cross on our foreheads, when we come to this altar to have the Lord's body and blood, when we hear the good news preached, our faith is affirmed and we confirm our faith here. And our faith is strengthened and nourished through all of these means, all these various ways. And it all comes from Jesus. The author of Hebrew calls Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith. He is the author of your faith. And he is the one who's going to finish the job. You can fight against him. You can walk away from it. You can say no thanks. But when he does come, don't be surprised when you call out, Lord, Lord. I, sat, I, I, I gave up so much on Sunday mornings. I went and sat in that church. And he's going to say, I, didn't, I, I don't know you. At the start of the sermon, I left you for 30 seconds. <laughs> and you, you might have been puzzled. But I don't think at any point in that time you thought, oh, boy, he's gone for good. Ugh. Well, where are the elders? Get one of them up there. Yeah, yeah. In truth, though, you have more reason to be confident that Jesus is coming back even though he's been gone, not for 30 seconds, but for 2,000 years. But he's your redeemer. He went to the cross for you. He gave his life for you. He created the universe. He upholds it now by the word of his power. And one of the things he said, right? The word of his power. One of the things he said is that I am coming back. And you must be ready. You've got more reasons to believe in his return than you have reasons to believe in my return when I step into the sacristy for 30 seconds. The time to get ready through receiving the gifts that he offers you in his word and in his sacraments, that time is now. Don't put it off. Salvation, life, eternal bliss and joy and peace and healing are all offered to you now. Don't put it off. Don't zoom on God's kindness because the window 
is rapidly closing. We don't know when, but Jesus is coming back. The Lord hastes the day when our faith shall be sight. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>